Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. So glad that you're here today. Uh, what an honor and blessing it is to be uh, with you this morning. So let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise and just thank Him and praise Him for who He is and for what He's done in our lives. Such a tremendous blessing to be here today. Well, it's been a crazy week. A lot going on. You know, my biggest challenge with Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas, the holidays... They just go by way too quickly. It just you, just you just blink and it's over. It, it's by you. It just blows my mind how quickly it goes. So there's a couple of things that I do around the holidays, specifically Thanksgiving. Uh, for one, when we're with family and we start getting together and maybe after we wrap up the meal and everybody's sitting around tables or whatever I get out my, my phone and I start making a list I'm the list guy at my house and then I'll take my list and I'll develop an Excel spreadsheet and I'll do everybody's Christmas list on that and I like to keep up with every dollar to the penny and, and all of that stuff and I really do that to help my family out now you're thinking brother Allen you're just OCD that's why you do that <laughs> nobody else does that well, I start making my list and getting ideas from people about, you know, what would be a good idea to get them for Christmas. And, and I make the list. And so today we're going to be talking about lists and, and making the list. The other thing that I do is I make my annual pilgrimage to Lowe's usually the Friday or Saturday after Thanksgiving, and I buy the family Christmas tree. I always get a Douglas fir. Here lately, I've been getting a Douglas fir. Um, and, and I put it up in the living room. Emily's always real busy on, on Friday and Saturday because of pictures. And so last night, I found myself kind of late, sitting up in our front living room, and I'm staring at a blank tree. Tonight we'll start decorating the tree. But I started staring just looking at the blank tree. And I'm, I'm telling you, it just, just hit me. One of the other things that I do is I will write on a sheet of paper the Christmas, I'll write Christmas and I'll write the year on it. And I put it in the tree for the morning that we wrap presents or unwrap presents and give gifts. The reason I do that is so that years later, when I go through the videos, I can remember what Christmas that was. Because <laughs> I, I tend to forget. I, I like, okay, which one was it? Well, I'll just rewind the tape. Oh, that was Christmas 17. That was Christmas 18. This year will be Christmas 19. 
And as I sat there last night and looked and stared at the blank tree, I just could not help to think about all the Christmases that have gone by. They go by away so quickly. And God just, you know, just impressed upon me the need and the importance for all of us to seize the moment. To literally stop, slow down, breathe, and seize the moment. To look around, to see who's there, see how you're blessed, be thankful for what you have. Because next year, Christmas 2020, might look very different. Seize the moment. You'll blink and it'll be gone. So today we're talking about lists. Well, we're continuing in this message series, what does faith look like? And for many of us, if I said, hey, show me your faith, you would say, well, you know, Brother Allen, my faith is deep in here. It is a, a deeply held conviction or belief that's in my heart. And if I said to you, well, show me your faith, then you might be like, you yeah, know, that's kind of hard. I don't think I can reach down in there and, and show you something that is immaterial. Something that you can't touch. But when you look at this scripturally, you look at it even practically, I actually can see your faith. I really can. I can also see your lack of faith. And you can see mine. We see each other's faith or lack of faith through the things that we do in our lives. Faith is something that you can touch and you can see. Well, in Hebrews chapter 11, we've been looking at people, people who have made a particular list, a list of heroes of the faith. And I would encourage you, even as you think about lists today, by the way, what are we talking about today? We're talking about, what are we talking about today? We're talking about, what are we talking about today? Not lisps, but lists. Lists. I want to challenge you on your list this year to think about the body of Christ on your list. Think about the body of Christ. And, and how might you gift the body of Christ this year. 2020 is right around the corner. And I'm really excited about next year. And I'm excited about the vision that God's given for us as a ministry. And I'm excited about the future that he has for us here. We've been through so much this past year. And so much has happened and transpired. It's been really exciting. When you think about this past year. But I believe the Lord has so much more for us. So much more ahead to to grow, to expand ministry and facility, so many things. But for us to embrace the future and tackle the future vision, we have to tackle some things today, like our financial mountain that we have and 
the indebtedness that we have in wrapping up being here, being here over a year. And so we want to really get focused on tackling that so we can get to the next thing that he has for us here and build for the future. So after the first of the year, I'm going to challenge the whole body to embrace our Square Up campaign. To get ready maybe for a special offering at Easter. I know Christmas is a tough time financially for a lot of people. But if you would, just take some time to pray, to think. Okay, God, on my list, how can I gift the body of Christ? How can my life be a blessing to the body? And how might I add the church to my list this year? And give to our effort to tackle that financial mountain that we have to wrap up this season that we've been in so we can get to the next. But that's not the main heart of today, I promise. I promise. In Hebrews chapter 11, there's a list of people who acted in faith. They were ordinary, common people. They acted in faith. And because they acted in faith, they made the list. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 1, he gives a definition of what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Your translation that you learned as a kid might be, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, verse 2, for by it, the men or the people of old gained approval. And then you come down to verse 6, and he writes and he says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And then he begins to give the list of all of these people. And what their lives looked like. What they did in faith. I apologize, my nose is running. It might be the allergies from that tree last night. Who knows? And you go through that list and you have all these people and what they did. And then you come to verse 31. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. If I said to you, I want you to make your list of people of faith that you have known, whether it be biblically, historically, or practically in your life. Make your list of people of faith who did great things because of their faith. I promise you, most of you would never think of who's mentioned in verse 31. And I want to ask you a question, and we're going to pray in just a second. What do you think you would have to do to make this list? What do you think you would have to do? Would you have to build an ark? Would you have to lead a nation of people through sea on dry ground? Would you have to have a child when you're really old? Would you have to sacrifice that child? Would you have to lead a great army? Would you have to be a king? Would you have to be a prophet? 
would you have to be a prostitute? When you hit verse 31, you're introduced to a woman by the name of Rahab. She is known in Scripture as Rahab. Never, hardly ever, but one time, and I'll share with you, one time. She's not called Rahab the harlot. Rahab the prostitute. Scripture says about her, by faith, Rahab the harlot, the prostitute, did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. Now here's the deal. Her being a prostitute did not cause her to be on the list. That's not the point. The point, however, is this. Rahab being a prostitute did not disqualify her from being on the list. Father, as we turn our hearts and our minds to Scripture today, Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Father, we trust you to be our teacher today. And Lord, 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 if you might give us in this hour half the measure of your Spirit that you gave us in the first hour, our cup would be full and running over. So we trust you to show us your heart in this time. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, as I've mentioned to you, she's rarely ever known just as Rahab. She's almost always mentioned as Rahab the harlot. In fact, for those of you who've studied Scripture, when you think of her, you can't even say her name without saying Rahab the harlot. It's like her past. Her past stays with her perpetually. She's always known for her past. It's almost like the harlot, the prostitute, is her last name. When I think about Rahab the harlot, I also think about Thomas. That would be his last name. What would be his first name when you think about a man named Thomas who doubted? You would call him what? You would call him, come on now, Doubting Thomas. And forever we know Thomas because of his doubt. And it's the same way with Rahab. We know her forever because of her past. She was a harlot. But she makes the list. Mentioned in Hebrews 11.31 here. Rahab the harlot. She is also mentioned in, in James' book. The very next book in Scripture. In that same section where James says, I will show you my faith by what I do. He puts her on his list. He says about Rahab, again, she was 
the harlot. Rahab the harlot. Her, her name, her past never eludes her. She's also mentioned one other time. It's in Matthew. Now in Joshua chapter 2 through chapter 6, we see a more full picture and story, the story of what caused her to get on the list. She's definitely mentioned there. But there's one other place that she's mentioned. There's a list in Matthew's Gospel. There's also a list in Luke's Gospel. The hint, the clue is all around you today. A list in Matthew's Gospel, which is also a list in Luke's Gospel. What two lists do you find? What list do you find in Matthew's Gospel? You find a similar list in Luke's Gospel. Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapter 3. It is the what? It is the lineage or the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And isn't it interesting? Rahab makes the list in Matthew chapter 1. That's the only place in the New Testament, where her past is not associated with her name. She's simply called Rahab. And guess what? She is a part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. It's going to wrinkle a lot of people today to come to terms with the fact that if it were not for a prostitute, we would not have Jesus Christ. But she's not Rahab the harlot in Matthew chapter 1. She's simply Rahab. And, and listen to what Matthew had to say about her. He says to Salmon was born Boaz by Rahab. You start doing your history and, and try to figure out who's who in the New Old Testament leading up to the birth of Christ. And you will discover that Salmon is Rahab's husband. They had a son by the name of Boaz. This was the great-grandfather of King David. In other words, Rahab was the great-great-grandmother of King David, whose throne Christ will sit upon. The lineage of Jesus goes through David, and guess what? It goes through Rahab. She is in the list. She married Simon. So, so watch this. So her past was that of a prostitute. But then she marries into a godly line, and she becomes a part of a godly future. Other things that we know about Rahab, she was a Canaanite. She was not of the nation of Israel. She was not an Israelite. She was a Canaanite. She lived in Jericho. In fact, historians tell us that Rahab's house was embedded in the city wall of Jericho next to the city gate. If you do your Old Testament history and look in the book of Joshua, and we will in just a second, you'll come to understand and see 
that God had promised to the Israelites a land by the name of Canaan. When Moses dies, a man by the name of Joshua takes over leadership. He is actually the one who would lead them across the Jordan River and then begin to conquer and to take the land that God had promised to them. A very important city on their path was the city of Jericho. So Joshua, in his wisdom, he appoints two spies to go into Canaan, to survey the land, and specifically to survey Jericho, and then to come back and report to Joshua so that they could prepare to take the land. Rahab, Rahab, her house, was right next to the city gate of Jericho. Jericho had a pagan culture. There was absolutely nothing godly about Jericho. And it makes sense for her profession. As men would come to the city of Jericho and walk through the gates, perhaps they would look for the red light district. And there waiting for them was Rahab. The prostitute. These two spies came to Jericho. Word began to get out about the spies. The king of Jericho understands what is coming. So the spies find a place to hide. And they hide in Rahab's house the king of Jericho he hears about these spies and he hears that they are perhaps staying in Rahab and what was she again Rahab the what what was she again just so no one forgets her past Rahab the harlot prostitute she sold her body for sex and for money that's what prostitutes do, right? King of Jericho finds out that they might be staying in her house. So either by direct communication or messenger, a conversation is had about the spies. And so Rahab, being the good sinner that she was, she's like, I don't know. What are you talking about? I got no clue about no spies. Oh, they're, they're gone. They're long gone. She says to the king of Jericho, they left out of here. But if you will pursue them, I'm sure you can catch them. So not only was she a prostitute, but she was a pretty good liar. Some people say, well, she was sinning or lying for righteous means. And what's interesting about Rahab, and what was she again? The harlot. What's interesting about Rahab in her story is that nothing is ever said morally about her lying. What's interesting is that this just reminds us, it reminds us, it reminds us of how messy Life can be. And if you, if you think for a minute that God doesn't show up in messes, 
you don't know our God. Our God, He shows up in ditches. He shows up in valleys. He shows up in pond, mud, and scum. He shows up in pits and valleys. If you think for a moment that our God doesn't show up when it's messy and stinky and forsaken and broken and rejected and dejected. To the depressed and the oppressed. Then you do not know our God. So she lies about their whereabouts. And then in Joshua chapter 2. We begin to discover why she makes the list. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof. This is talking about the spies who are hiding out in her home. And said to the men, I know. I want you to say that with me just real quick. I know. I know. I know. We'll, we'll count to three just to make it easy for you. One, two, three. I know. What do you know? I hope you know. She knows. She knew. She said, I know that the Lord has given you, the Israelites, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. In other words, Rahab and her people, they knew that the Israelites were coming. She had, they had heard about them. They had, also, they had also had heard what God had been doing and how He had been preparing them and bringing them to this place. They knew. They knew what was coming. She says in verse 10, We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, what you did to the two kings, kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. God giving them promise in this, this land, and they, by holy warfare against pagan cultures who forsook God, didn't care anything about God, a culture from which, which Rahab herself was a part of, there was nothing godly about Jericho. She was coming from a mess. A God-forsaken mess. But if you think that God avoids these places, you're wrong. Another way that we could talk about Rahab and her past was that she had a reputation. Have you ever known someone who's had a reputation? You have a reputation. Just saying. A lot of you do. Maybe not like Rahab. 
But people know us by the things that we value, by what is near and dear to our hearts. It's not hard to develop a reputation. A lot of times when we say, oh, she had a reputation. We know what's meant by that. And for the life of me, and by the way, we fell into this message. We just fell into this message. Coming out of the life of Abraham and the study there. Didn't really know how God was going to take us and direct us. And we found ourselves looking in verse 31 at Rahab. And I thought, Lord, there's so much to say about Abraham. There's so much to say about Moses. We could do messages and sermon series upon those two lives. But now here's this Rahab. And God, I really, there's not a whole lot to say about her other than she had a reputation but that was a part of God taking her life, building her story so she could make a list that all of us would want to make. God shows up in messy places with messy people. Just last night I got a phone call. When I, when I picked up my phone, I immediately knew where the phone call was coming from. I recognized the number. The number is from our correctional system. It's the number that inmates use to call out. I recognized the number immediately. And when I'm able, I always try to take the call. Because I really want to talk to the guy who's calling me. I've known him since he was 13 years of age. I've known his past. I baptized him. I know about everything he's ever done. I can tell you that I probably would not trust him as far as I could throw him. I can tell you that he has done better in jail than he does outside of jail. Because he has structure. Someone to tell him what to do, when to get up, when to go to bed, when to eat. When he's out on his own and, and tries to live independently, he has a way of royally messing things up. He's been given all kinds of chances. But in so many other ways, so many other ways, he's never had a chance. And I love it when he calls me. And he'll catch me up on where he is. He's probably been moved to a, a, another facility that happens to him frequently. <laughs> he always tells me the story about how that happens. But he never, he never gets off the phone with me when he does not say, I just wanted you to know how I'm doing and I love you. And I tell him, you keep calling me. I love you too. It's a mess. But God is in the mess.
God has a way of taking the lives and the stories of those who have a reputation and turning them for His glory. They make the list. So she says, we've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you. She says, we heard that. She says in verse 11, we, when we heard it, our hearts melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. Watch this next part. Though. For the Lord, your God, your God who we've heard about, your God who, who, who's done all of this for you guys, the Lord, your God, He is God. In heaven, above, and on earth, beneath. Do you see the transition? You're God. But now her faith is speaking. He's the God. He is God in heaven, above, and on earth, beneath. Her faith is now showing in her life. That's why she hid the spies. That's why, that's why she lied to the king. Because somewhere he went from being their God to being my God. And then in verse 12 she says this. Now therefore please swear to me by the Lord... Since I have dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with my father's household and give me an oath. Give me a pledge of truth. In other words, I'm going to cut a deal with you guys. What she's literally going to do is she's going to ask them to cut a covenant with her. She says... In verse 13, and spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So the men said to her, our life for yours if you do not tell this business of ours. And it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. When she asks them to deal kindly with her and her family. The word that is used there is the word hesed. It's hesed. This is a thick, thick theological word. The word hesed means long-term loving kindness. The word hesed is the word that is used when covenants are spoken of. A covenant was basically an agreement upon which how God would cover, would cover people. Covenants. All throughout scripture. The conditions on which how God would cover people. And, and, and she, she says 
will you deal hessedly with us? Will you cover me and my family like an umbrella? Like an umbrella. Like an umbrella. Umbrellas don't stop it from raining, but umbrellas stop it from raining on you. Umbrellas don't stop it from raining, but umbrellas stop it from raining on you. Cover us. Did you know that in the New Testament, through Jesus Christ, we are under a new covenant by which the blood of Christ covers us? And she said, would you cover us? I've covered you in faith. Would you cover us? And when they came to Jericho to take Jericho, and by the way, you remember Joshua and his army in faith, they had to do what? March around the city walls. And because of their faith, the walls of Jericho came down. What would you have to do to make the list? Build an ark? Sacrifice your son? What would you have to do? In faith, Rahab covered the spies. And in return, she says, would you cover me? When they came to take Jericho, she hung a scarlet thread in a window to show them her house. And the thread of scarlet represented her faith in God. And when they saw the scarlet thread, they remembered that God, through an oath and a covenant, His people had made with her, promised to cover her. There is a scarlet thread that will cover you. It is the blood of Christ. Regardless of your past, regardless of what you've been through, regardless of what you have done in your life, there is a scarlet thread in the blood of Christ that will cover you. And in the midst of your mess and your God-forsakenness and all the, I'll say it here, all the crap that you've been through in your life, don't you think for one moment that all of your junk cannot nullify any of the grace of God. Don't think for a moment that all of your junk will nullify the grace of God. In fact, your junk is where he wants to hang his scarlet thread. Your junk, where you've messed up, where you've sinned, where she had slept with many men, men she didn't even know their name, where she had trashed her body and trashed her life, that's where the scarlet thread hung over her life. And God met her there. And He covered her. She made the list. The list that any of you would want to make. Why? 
She had faith. Man, when I think about Rahab, I think about Mary. The mother of Christ. The antithesis of Rahab. Highly favored one. Blessed Mary. And I think, how, how does Rahab fit in the Christmas story? The genealogy of Jesus. What makes Rahab the same as Mary? And what makes Mary the same as Rahab? Two women with two very different pasts. Two very different reputations. They were both women of faith. They just believed. And they made the list. So why do you think, why do you think the biblical writers don't want us to forget her past? Some of you who know how important it is to know your identity in Christ. That in Christ you're not a sinner but a saint. Some of you might even really struggle with this. Why is it then when we hit James or Hebrews, she's not called Rahab the saint? She's Rahab the harlot. Why is that? Here's what I think. Because we would forget. We would forget. We would forget where she had been through. We would forget what she had done in her life. We would forget that what matters is her faith. And it's Rahab the harlot to perpetually remind us that God can use anybody. And He can make anyone's story great if they walk in faith. We'd forget. She'd just be Rahab. But to think that Rahab the harlot is the one who makes the list because of her faith, then that gives every single one of us in this room hope that our story can be great too. And we could make the list. You do not know. You do not know. How high God can climb and take you. Until you know. How low. Life can get you. So as you stand with us today. Our prayer counselors are going to slip out right now. 
Some of you have been through some stuff I, I don't know anything about. I don't have to. Some of you have been places. You've done things. And you want to forget. And I don't blame you. There's things I've done. I want to forget. But man, when I start forgetting where I was, I'll begin to lose sight of how great He is to where He's taken me today. It's part of my story. So today, I think each and every one of us, we have a critical decision to make. Will we walk by faith? Will we trust Him? And do as He leads us to do. Your reputation can change. Because of your faith. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.